0: and basically just, in a nutshell, said the wrong thing. I was trying to say, I'm not the same age as you, I'm not involved, you know, my bad. But the the adrenaline in me, the words that came out of my mouth was, I'm a bigger man than you. And I was really trying to say, I'm not older I'm older than you, I'm not involved. But you tell a man I'm a bigger man than you in front of you, boys, that's a problem. And he just said, whoop. And he just said, cool, let's done his dance, let's kill him. And literally just pulled out a knife and, Appreciate I was you. looking
1: at your background, I watched your film, uh-huh. Armani, I was looking into your background as well, just very generally speaking, and you've got, like, a mm-hmm. nuts background. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it it sounds like you've got a nuts background, man, yeah. with some major downs and then some mm-hmm. major ups as well, We're uh-huh. talking about marriage and all that as well, you've mm-hmm. got, like, a proper topsy-turvy journey, man, it'll be good to get into that. Yeah. So... Obviously, of yourself when you was 21 years old, right? Yeah, you 21. got stabbed seven times. Uh-huh. You're in a coma. You oh, no, luckily, luckily, I get mixed up by you all. Um, yeah, yeah so like, pass passed in that consciousness and that kind of thing. <laughs> and I felt thought that he was going to pass or oh, die basically. Yeah, 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 an ambulance, and then thank God pulled through. And um, you're here now, man, mm-hmm. Change your lives and I'm um, doing some great work. On thank way. you, man, yeah.
0: appreciate
1: you. And it'll be sick to get into all of that, but to start things off, yeah, what I want to do is to start off, take it like take it back. So, I want to know what. Like, what your just paint a picture basically as to what your childhood was like, you know, the area, the family dynamic. Um, yeah. Was it a good, happy childhood? What would you say? Yeah. Do you know what?
0: I'd say up to the age of five, um, parents loving, um, my parents did everything they could to give us like a, a really solid foundation, a loving foundation to kind of help us thrive. Um, and I think it was society that kind of forced me to go down a particular path, um, going into schools and, and, getting bullied and not really being able to kind of find my identity was was probably the thing that made me transition into a path of trying to please other people and and yeah, trying to be the class clown, wearing a mask all the time. All of these things that when I say a mask, like a metaphorical mask. And it was a struggle, I can't lie. You know, not really having friends at a young age when you you, you you're kind of finding yourself. And I, I, I anchored a lot of my identity on other people. And so, yeah, as I look at my story, a lot of it is about how I made choices to kind of fit in and it, it didn't work in my favor as I got older. And that's basically the foundation of my story. And then when I look at how my parents reacted to it, obviously they were they were super disappointed to the fact that their their miracle child is getting caught up in silliness and it's not, kind of this is not a family brand right I, that's not that's not who we are My, yeah. my pep, we come from excellence or we we aspired to be excellent in what we do and so i'm, I'm kind of letting down the side and i mm. could you know now i'm a parent i can understand how they must have felt you know you, you you try to give your child everything and they go down the road and just disappointment and it just really affected our relationship so that's kind of the generic General, yeah, kind of background, and yeah, grew up in North London, all of that kind of stuff.
1: That identity piece is key as well Mm -hmm. because, like, secondary school, the way I see it is that that's like that point where you really, really well, most a lot of people are gonna either come into yourself or you're gonna really, really struggle. It's such a crucial period in your life. You got people who are trying, like, really, you know, trying to come into this off in their own way, they'll maybe go off into start dressing a certain way, talking a certain way, whatever, trying to impress other people, whatever. But it's like trying to. Trying different things here and there, and trying to find yourself along the way.
0: Hundred percent. And then
1: for yourself, you're you're trying to, well, getting bullied as well and all mm-hmm. that. Then at the same time, being class count maybe acting out and all that kind of thing, but trying to find yourself. Probably have some internal kind of turmoil.
0: You can't articulate that yeah. between five and I mean, even as an adult, sometimes you can't articulate that. That's the things that you're struggling with. But you don't even know sometimes exactly. Like until
1: you maybe you get older and you look back. You're like, right, okay, like that. That's what I was going through but yep. at the time. You didn't know. Maybe no one, no one sort of put the mirror in your face and told you this is what's up. Hundred percent. Maybe if that happened, you it was look for it me.
0: It was therapy. Therapy has been really helpful in that kind of self awareness journey that I've been on because I've made a conscious choice to look at. You know, kind of lift up the 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 lid on certain things and be like, why do I feel like that? Why is this a reoccurring pattern in my life? And and it goes back to a lot of those early memories that I had about wanting to be accepted and and even attachment things to my mum. For a long period of time, I was the only child up to about five, and then my sister was born, and my mum and I had a really close relationship. And so, yeah, you know. You, you can't articulate that as a child. You don't know why you feel that way towards your mom or whatever, but as you look back, I now have a w- much wider understanding of why I've probably made certain choices. And yeah, it's uh, it's good to know yourself.
1: So looking back now then, mm-hmm. would you say that that particular period, when you was five years old and your sister was born, you saw that that was like maybe the first major thing that started to set you off down the wrong
0: path? Um. I wouldn't I wouldn't frame it that way because I feel I feel like my sister if you ever watches this is gonna be like what but yeah I love I love I love I love, love you, sis right <laughs> but yeah I, I, as she knows you know I think when you are a child who that like I wasn't a very social child I was quite quiet and so you kind of are very I was very much like my my mum's handbag people used to say always around my mum always at her leg always like you know just wanting to be with her my mum did a lot to. Be present in my life and while my dad was working and stuff and so suddenly you know you see this bump and you're like oh I'm excited to have a child and you know a little mm-hmm. sister and then I guess when she's here you suddenly realize that a baby requires a lot of your parents and rightfully so but I think that transition from also at the same time going into a new school was a lot it's, it's two major changes in your life and where I had friends in my old school, or at least a, a level of comfortability being around your people that you've maybe been with, you know, for a couple of years maybe, suddenly you've gone into a primary school, uh, big school, you know, where you, we, these guys have already got friends, they've already kind of built these, these groups and you're trying to step into that. And I, I just didn't know how to navigate it. So I wouldn't say it was just my sister being born. Um, I think there's a combination of different things that, that, that led to that feeling.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I usually think that life is so, there's so many different things happening at one time, so many different moving pieces, Hundred percent. so many different inputs, man, it's very, very rarely ever just one thing, Yeah. yeah <laughs> which yeah, is yeah, why yeah. someone is the way they are, just a number of different things thrown into one melting pot, and then 100%. we come out the other end, however the way we come out. 100%. And then that period of time, that period of time for you, I guess there was a lot of change, mm-hmm. and then you're sort of trying to navigate that change by trying to fit in trying to find yeah. yourself and acting out in class and you're just trying
0: different strategies i'm not even seeing it as i'm not i'm just seeing it it probably didn't even start off as me being the class clown it could have just been i don't know you you, you try and do something for someone in class you like, oh, i'll hold your bag or you know i'll do this for you or whatever like to try and make that person like you and then you, that doesn't work, so you try something else. And then that doesn't work, so you try something else. So before you know it, maybe there's a few things that might get you a little bit more attention, whether it's, again, call a night in class when you're a bit bored or you don't understand the question. And then someone that you you rate laughs and you're like, oh, snap, they mm-hmm. noticed me. Oh, swear on, okay, I'm going to do that again. And then, I mean, you know, it's, it's it's probably not as nuanced as that, but yeah, it's there's the, the, I, I would say that, there's a there's there's a lot of that within the choices that i make and i'm imagining what well, i made and i'm imagining it's the same with um, a lot of other young people as well
1: and you ended up getting kicked out of school right at 16
0: yeah i mean that yeah 16 oh no i i got kicked out at 14 14 yeah i got kicked out i got ex- i got expelled for the first time in year 9 so i was about 13 14 um silly stuff like I, I started a fire in my maths room and uh, I've stole my deputy head teacher's wallet. Like just yeah. random stupid things that I didn't need to do. But mm. when I look back, it was about the habits that I'd created leading up to that moment. And I kind of compounded a particular behavior, a particular mindset that, mm. that basically multiplied into me starting a fire and me um, stealing this wallet. It wasn't yeah. an isolated incident where I just randomly did it. It was a series of small little things that I'd done over a number of months. And then one day I did it and it just, Blew up in my face, type of thing. So, yeah, but you know, and then when I've when I've been expelled from there, I've gone to a pupil referral unit, and in those pupil referral units, you're around a lot of the kind of outcasted kids from other schools. So, and a lot of them will have additional needs, a lot of challenges, um, be classed as the worst kids in the borough, and so I'm in class with these kids, and and. I guess the teachers probably saw that I was different how I presented myself probably mm. you know good morning miss you know like I'm a good I'm a good kid right I'm I'm yeah. I'm, I'm a good kid that's trying to survive um, not taken away from the other kids I wouldn't say that they weren't good kids in in you know everyone's just trying to survive mm. but they kind of path pathway me back into the school system and then similar patterns in the second school and and got expelled or got put on early study leave which is a, a covert way of saying that I'm expelling you um, but without taking you off the, the role, so just before my GCSEs at sixteen, and kind of put me into a into a spiral basically. And yeah. then
1: was it around that period of time when you got kicked kicked out of your house?
0: I mean, there's when I think back to my story. Obviously, what, my journey. There's been many points where things have happened. Uh, I I can think back to. When I was fourteen, and I was out of my house for a little bit, you know, running away from home, um, because of I, the, 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 the the turbulence in the household, the relationship that I had with my parents, and and wanting this street life and this particular lifestyle, and running away, and just doing silly stuff. So I, w- I wouldn't, I would say at sixteen, it was more that my parents had got to the end of their tether. They tried stuff. They would picked me up from. I remember one day I was like sleeping in a phone box. They picked me up from a phone box. I'd stayed at friends' houses. I'd done all this stuff, and then at sixteen, I, I was arrested with an imitation firearm outside of my mum's house after trying to bang and break down the door and kick the car. And they were just like, "No, this is too much. This is this is too much. You're bringing all of this stuff to our house. You you can't you can't be here. You you know this 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 is too much for any human being to deal with," and um, which I understand, and so. Um, I always thought that they'd called the police, but it was actually one of the neighbours, I found out later on. And uh, yeah, ended up being arrested and and they asked if I was going to come back home and they said no. Um, And they put me into like a supported living or kind of care home um, where, yeah, you know, you just, it's a lot of anger in that place, I'd say. You know, as much as it says care, I think a lot of the young people in there are, are really hurting from, what adults in society have done from them, so, uh, done to them, so that's what I was.
1: Yeah, and you know, when I'm looking into your story, or just going off your film, basically, it seems as if that was like one of the first major turning points within your life. Would you say that's fair, or do? you...?
0: Yeah, I'd say after that, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say. I'd say the process of me getting kicked out and then going to care and then getting groomed to County Lines, and then being in County Lines and kind of shot in for a little bit and being completely out of my depth and being being okay at this thing I say okay in, in a weird sense but surviving again and then suddenly realized that I'm out of my depth and having an epiphany where I feel like God spoke to me and gave me uh, like I gave me a, a, like a get out of jail free card basically and said look I know you're not really about this life so if you do this like you're gonna you're gonna get away and I did and yeah, I think that was the probably the time where I first took control of my life and said, you know what, I don't want to be this person anymore. And yeah, I'm proud of that first step because if I hadn't done that first step, and I'd maybe not listened to that internal voice, I probably would have been arrested. I probably would have been trapped into a cycle, and it's a downward spiral from there, you know.
1: That county lions thing, um, when you was doing that, when you was what 16 yeah, years yeah. old, it was pretty young. Uh, did you? What was it like for you? Uh, like, that, was you ever there and just thinking to yourself, like, this is crazy. I'm not meant to be here. Or were you uh, at that point in time, like, I'm fully in the streets. I'm just going. Do you know what?
0: I I, I can't ever. Th- I can't ever say that. Like, it was. a- am just wondering what the mindset was like. Do you know? What? I think uh, when I look back into that time, it feels very cloudy. I don't think I was making conscious choices. I was on autopilot a lot, and a lot of choices were being made because of influences or because of survival. So I can't really look back and be like, yeah, I made a conscious choice to do that. I mean, with County Lines, someone else had introduced me to someone and their thing was, do you want to make money? And so I was like, yeah, 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 of course. Like, you don't even think about it. You just mm. want to make money, right? Mm. Um, not realising what I was being put into. And so when I when I think back to that environment, I, I think when you're deep into something, I, I don't think you are thinking about, whether I want to do this or not all the time. I think you're just thinking about survival and not getting caught and being one step ahead of the various different factors. And so I can understand why the mandem especially are, 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 are in spaces where they're they're trapped a lot of the time, and they're not thinking about their future. They're not thinking about the next week. They're thinking about, man's got to get this thing now. I've got to do this thing now. So I, I get it. Even though that wasn't my whole experience of life, that period of time I get because it feels very cloudy I don't really think about the day-to-day choices why I did it but yeah I think when I when I got to that epiphany point that's when I really started to kind of pull the wall back and be like right like I'm here and I'm living in this crack house and I'm selling class A drugs and I'm I'm making all of these risks I'm taking all these risks and is this really what you want to do? And then, you know, you you, you suddenly start realising that this guy that you're working for is talking like the most crud to you. Like, you're, he's he's, <clears throat> he's going to punch you up if you get this thing wrong. And you suddenly, before, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, cool, bro, no worries. And then suddenly, when you've kind of pulled that wool off your eyes, you're like, right, actually, I don't like the way this guy's talking to me, and I'm a bit scared now. <clears throat> and I think it's all of those things where you start taking control of your your choices, your, your, your life that you, yeah, suddenly... You start going down another path or you, you want to go down another path. And yeah, I'm grateful that my, my family were able to help me. My dad actually came and picked me up from, from where I was. And, and, you know, I'm grateful for that.
1: Mm. I've done this this online course some time back, years ago, like, but it was about driving change basically for social entrepreneurs. Mm. And then when you're talking, it got me thinking about, there was a particular quote on one of the modules on there, which was about being on the dance floor and they're not necessarily being conscious or aware of what's happening, but they're needing to take time to step off the dance floor, get onto the balcony and have a look.
0: 100%. Have that
1: bird's eye view. 100%. And when you're talking about like when you're you're there, you're, you're just on autopilot, you're, pilot, you're just, just doing it. It's not like you're really, you know, taking a step back and having a look. 100 It's bro. only when you have that epiphany moment, you kind of step back and think, right, like, I'm, 100%. I'm, I'm actually here. This 100%. is crazy. 100%, 100% bro.
0: That's a great analogy. 100%. And I feel like, that's exactly what it was. Prior to that, you're just not even aware that you're even dancing, Mm. you know, you're just here. You're just there. Anyone else can see you're dancing and things are happening, but yeah, you're just just existing and trying to survive and trying to fit in with everyone else that's doing it. And um, yeah, as you said, when you kind of step away from that for a moment, even if it's just to get fresh air for a second, (laughs) metaphorically, right? yeah, you're able to kind of really look back and be like, oh my gosh, like actually, I don't like this song. I don't want to do this, this is long, yeah. I'm tired, whatever it is, you know, when you look at the metaphor. So, yeah. yeah. And
1: your, your dad, your parents, did your parents know what you are doing?
0: No, they didn't. You know, they I'd gone missing from the care home. So at that time, my parents and I, we weren't really speaking. Um, mm. There was, there was conversation. No, no, I don't think we were actually speaking at the time. I think we were speaking through other people. Mm. Um, Actually, no, tell a lie. Maybe I'd gone to see them a couple of times while I was there. But they they had no idea that I was there. And we didn't have that much of a relationship where they were, um, oh, where are you today, son? It wasn't that type of thing. So I was going away for days on end and coming back. And and the care home at the time, I always look back and say, I don't know what their policies were because no one really flagged and was like, oh, like... Mm. Where's this kid? There was no one that said, oh, you know, if you, I think actually maybe, maybe towards the end of it, they said, if you keep going away, you won't get your supported living house at 18 <laughs> or whatever. But generally I, I was able to just go and no one really knew where I was. So that was the first time where I kind of called my, my dad and just said, look, that I'm selling drugs. I'm in this area. Um, I'm scared. Can you come and get me? And my dad came and picked me up after work.
1: What was the reaction from your dad when he come to see you that time? Um, what was that moment like?
0: I mean, my, my dad's picked me up from some from treacherous places in my life, and and whether it's police stations or yeah, we've had we've had moments, right? But I think that moment is is probably he's something that he said to me all the time, where you're kind of trying to get your child to see the future and see their the kind of consequences of their actions, but this is the first time I heard it. I think all mm-hmm. the other times it's in one ear and coming out the other, you're like, oh, what do you know? But this time it's because I wanted to come home. I wanted a lifeline. Um, I heard him and and his reaction was very much like, son, you've got so much potential and you're you're wasting your time. Like you're wasting your energy doing all this stuff. Like you, if you're coming home, we have to do something different. You know, my, my, my parents are Christian, born again Christians. And so I know they prayed about it and I know that they, they sought wisdom on bringing me back into the home. And that level of forgiveness, as I said, now as a a parent myself, like I can really respect it even more than just it happening to me. Like, because I I don't know what I would do. Of course, I'd forgive. But Mm. with the series of events that preceded that, that's a lot. You know, it's a lot to bring someone back into that. But yeah, they gave me another chance. And um, yeah, super grateful.
1: I always find it proper cool and amazing when I see people that have done like full-on 360s mm. like full-on there's a guy I went to
0: 360 or 180
1: one 360 yeah. 180. I always say 360 as well and then <laughs> someone corrected to me and was like you nah. know 360 means nah. you've
0: gone back the same way right a full-on
1: 180 yeah. like I come across people like that every once in a while there's a guy I went to school with mm. and he was like fully fully on road like mm-hmm. he got kicked out of three different schools wow. and didn't, I don't think he even finished school I didn't see him for years and I remember bumping to him one time randomly in the street it was like, Hi Tevin, how are you doing? I'm like, What? Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> like a multi millionaire like, <laughs> now or something. Who's this <laughs> yeah. bruv? Who's this? Trust bro? Me. I don't know. Ask him like, what happened? About like mm. I don't know, he didn't really give me like the full I don't think he maybe didn't want to open up a whatever. He just said like I just realized that you say for me. Yeah. Um and he went, learned how to code and now he's working in the city. And I'm like, that's crazy. When I see them full on one eighties, I'm like, that's always so crazy. There you go. And with you you've done like you're like in a trap house, yeah, and then you've done a one eighty. Your dad's come to pick you up, and then you go away, go home. Did you have GCSEs at the time?
0: Uh, not really. Like I, I'd, I'd, I'd done them, but I'd left. I'd walked out of like my business exam. I think the highest grade I got was a D. So you didn't. GCSE, re- so you so didn't, I wasn't really. So you didn't have like A to C's. No, I would, that. But I'm smart, but I just yeah. wasn't. I never applied myself in school.
1: When you take it away, then you come home and then you start like that process of
0: transforming your life and you start a business. But I've, but but I think it's so. So in the film, and this is where Creative License comes in, that time between me coming back to London and the time where you see me being an estate agent is technically between 16 and 21. So from 16, I'll fill in the gap for you. So 16, I came back, I moved back home. And my dad said, you've got to do something. And at the time we had connections. Um, So for, for those that don't know what connections was, it was like a high street shop where you could walk in. It was like job advice, uh, education advice they mm. kind of pathway young people yeah and so I walked into their um the shop in Enfield uh, town and basically said I'm here what can what can I do and they said oh you like you know what do you like I said I like music and they put me on a music and events management course in Wolframstow. so I was out of the ends that I kind of knew I was going to another area I went there and I met a mentor a black man um who basically saw my potential and gave me an opportunity to 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 start again i would never all my teachers prior to that my reputation had gone before me and one of the 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 biggest things that I took away from him is that he said I don't care what anyone else has said about you prior to today I'm only going to take you on who you want to be from today uh, today going forward and that was the fresh start that I needed and so I continued on that journey of just feeling proud of myself and feeling that self-belief and starting to network and getting opportunities and being given leadership roles in the college and and getting scouted to go to another college. And it was just win after win after win after win, considering that my whole life before that had been L after L, you know, loss, um, disappointment, etc And then, um, yeah, I'd say about 17, 18, I was at a college and, um, and I started working. And then I, I was like, well, everything I've learned at college I'm gonna try and put that into like a business. So I started an events company and that events company, I started with some close friends of mine and. We were doing under eighteen parties and and as I used to call them big people raves. So you know where you're, you're doing your your reggae, and your lovers rock and stuff. We used to love doing that stuff. We used to just bring people That's together. Big people music, big people sure, music right? man. Do you know what I'm saying? That's my mum's stuff. You know man. what I mean? Fifty yeah. plus. You yeah. know we just loved entertaining and bringing people together. And I did that for a few years. Um, met my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. At about yeah, about eighteen. And um, yeah, just was doing all right, man can't complain and then between 18 and about 21 I was doing that and then 21 one night I went out and uh, I remember saying to my little sister look sis I'm coming back I was just about to buy Mayfair or Monopoly or something like that Mm. and I was like hold my space or don't, don't do no deals went down the road to promote an event I had and ended up getting stabbed
1: yeah, that's crazy, man. So. That's crazy. Before we get into that, yeah. So, that period of between 16, so you've got to start at 21. So, mm-hmm. between 16 and 21, you've got your events business, you're probably you're doing the property stuff at the same I time. I didn't know. I oh, started yeah, that at after. 21. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, you, but you're doing your events business and colleges here and there, and like basically doing your thing mm-hmm. over a period of time. And that, when I talk about it being amazing and quite like it's proper sick when I see people doing that kind of thing, because, and that, even over that period of time as well, it takes a lot of work and a lot of hard work. Yeah. 100%. and it's a lot easier to just go back to what you know oh, it's that's just fine. a million times easier to just go and you see it you've probably know people that's happened to uh, you probably, it happens all the time you see <laughs> all it, the time bro. you know what i'm saying it's just way easier just to go back to mm-hmm. what you know as opposed to like having to now like, grind and grind and grind and yep. grind like what kept you like why 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 do you keep going what was driving you in that period of time when mm. I mean, there must have been that like in the back of your head maybe even people calling your phone like yo Let's
0: let head back up. Can't just go and do. do you know what? Not really. Like, I think because I because I, I was never really on the roads. I wanted the roads never like embraced me. It wasn't like I was getting sucked into this thing and I was so entrenched that I could never leave because I owed this person money. I was part of a gang. It was never that. I was Mm. always like, hey guys, can you accept me? Can you let me be on the roads? Yeah, You know, which I think is where a lot of people are, you know, (laughs) where they they just, yeah, like I just want to hang around with you guys. Like, Mm. so once I stopped trying to do that, these men are not calling me and Mm. not in a bad way, but I'm just not, these men are so entrenched that I'm just doing my thing. Yeah, It's like, you know, the kid in school where you're like, "Um, that guy's really good at football. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I, I'm the entrepreneur guy when I get older so people are not expecting me to do road they're mm. just like oh bro like you do events like we're on the road thing and whatever but yeah, yeah, that's yeah, your yeah. do you know what I mean that's your thing. so mm. yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't say that it was people calling me I would say like the driving force was I started to, to really understand the power of my mind and power of of personal development I think so I started to read books like Think and Grow Rich oh, um, Rich Dad Poor Dad mm. The Secret um richest man in babylon all of these books that i guess open my mind to the power of of what you attract to to a certain extent manifestation um, i don't get too deep into manifestation but elements of that right and and kind of putting things out there and having vision boards and having goals and stuff like that and so yeah those are the things that i guess once you set yourself a goal what starts to happen is that you you start you start betting on yourself and that becomes your driving force because you've got something you're working towards. So if I set that I'm going to do an event in September, then everything in my mind is like, okay, I want to be good at that. I want that event to be a sellout. So, you know, you do that, you get to September, maybe it's an all right event or it's a success. and. And then you're like, oh yeah, I want to improve and and get better next time. And then before you know it, you just got all these different milestones that are just drawing you in different directions. And I think that's all that's just happened in my life as an entrepreneur. You set Mm -hmm. things into the future and you just, you kind of get, you try and work out how to get to that thing, this thing that feels so big and expansive and scary. And you just say, yeah, no, boom, I believe I can do that. And so I think once I started to taste that and started to see success, there's nothing, in the world that is going to draw me away from that because mm. you know that feeling of pride that feeling of accomplishment you don't get that when you're scared yeah do you get what I'm saying like you don't get that on the roads it's like not not mm. me anyway maybe some people get that mm. but I don't get that from the road
1: yeah alright uh, let's talk about that night when you got stabbed now
0: mm-hmm. so you said you was
1: playing or well, you was with your sister are playing yeah I playing Monopoly kind of I think
0: my cousin was over from America yeah so it was just it was just a normal night we were just mm. promoting I had like had an event had some flyers that I was going to go and promote in my local area um, and so yeah just <laughs> I was I was driving my dad's Volvo and mm. uh, trigger warning for anyone listening because obviously you know I'm going to talk about getting stabbed but yeah I was driving my dad's Volvo and I went out to this nightclub and, you know, driving a Volvo kind of big back car, yeah. red, yeah. butters car. Like just <laughs> it's just it's just not even like the nicest. It's, it's just, just kind of car you park around the park. Park. Uh, right, Literally. And that's what I did. I parked it four roads away from the club yeah. and bopped over and whatever yeah. I was wearing, right? And um yeah, just just any other night. I'd done it a million a thousand times, you know, uh, promoting. But this one night, someone I know their bike had been stolen from outside the club. It was like a motorbike, which you know, I know the person's like a family friend of mine, and so I think that probably is what drew me drew me in a little bit more, mm. and it drew me in because I was very much like invested in trying to see him get his bike back, and then kind of just ended up getting sucked into this this movement of yo, we're gonna go and find these utes, and instead of me being like yeah, no, whoa, like and having the self the self control and the self discipline to be like that's got nothing to do with me my bro I hope you find it and even the maturity to be like yo like, I think we should call the police because they actually have the resources like what are you going to do when you find the youth mm. I didn't even think about it Yeah. and so instead I just went back to 16 year old or even younger Amani, and just what come let's go let's go find these youth so I've mm. gone now down this road where I parked my car and um, I've heard the bike come flying down the main road and it's crashed it's skidded two boys have jumped off one's jumped on my road Another one's ran off another way. And again, because I'm already committed, I've just ran out onto the high road and just shouted at this group of boys that were standing in the same place where my boys were, mm. uh, or my the guys that I knew were. And ran back to the car on some, yo, where's this ute? Trying to find him. And as I've turned around, I've seen that I've called the wrong ute. So I've mm. shouted, are oh, you, man, he's down here? And they're like, what? I've come three easy pickings, one guy on his own. There's about mm-hmm. 20 of them and mm-hmm. I've just frozen and basically just, in a nutshell, said the wrong thing. I was trying to say I'm not the same age as you, I'm not involved, you know, my bad. But mm-hmm. the the adrenaline in me, the words that came out of my mouth was, I'm a bigger man than you. And I was really trying to say, I'm, not older, I'm older than you, I'm not involved. Mm-hmm. But you tell a man I'm a bigger man than you in front of his boys, yeah. that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And he just said, what? And he just said, cool, let's done his dance, let's kill him. And literally just pulled out a knife. And I always say now, I, I think me getting rushed, I got rushed a lot in secondary school, fighting and, you know, defending yourself, mm. testosterone and that. And so <laughs> I think all of those things prepared me for that moment. Literally, I, you know, I'm a firm believer in God. I don't believe that these things happen by mistake. And all of the little things that had happened prior to that moment allowed me to survive. And so me getting stabbed instead of me going, oh my gosh, I've been stabbed or I've been punched or whatever, I went into what do you like? Literally my body went into fight mode mm. and it was like survival. And I remember freezing for a moment when I, when I kind of felt a knife in my hand and then like just remember hearing my brain saying, run, 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 run and waking myself up. Mm. And yeah, just making very conscious choices not to run away from them. I actually ran through the crowd Mm. Which is like, why would you run through the crowd? But I knew that subconsciously running through the crowd would mean that I got to the high street. And so instead of running up this long road, which I now know would have been a dead end and I probably wouldn't be here, mm. fight the fight in me, maybe run, dodge through the crowd and get closer to the high road. And, and yeah, you know, it was just a fight for survival, man. And, you know, getting stabbed is very long. It's, yeah. very, it's very, 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 very long. Um, you don't. I didn't feel it at the time, but that night, I think when everything had kind of died down and the guys had run off, and obviously there's lots of more. There's lots of context that there's no point even going into right now because of time. But the and also when I make the movie, the proper thing, I don't want to, you know, <laughs> I, I want to surprise the audience. You get what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there's just there's so many different things that night, and I feel very blessed to be here. Um, small little choices that were made, small conversations that I had. Um, I will tell you this thing, there was a bouncer that I was talking to outside the club and he knew a family friend of mine because he also was a bouncer. So I was like, oh yeah, you know this person did it? And it, it, it kind of opened up a conversation. Hmm. And so when he saw me getting stabbed, normally I'm, I'm like half down the road from where he is, right? He's not, not interested, called the police, but he saw my jacket. And so mm. ran over and scared the boys off. Little small things like that. And so, yeah, after that, they called my mum and she came down, my mom, my dad came. And my mum, again, as I said, is a Christian. So she was, she was praying hard for me, praying hard that I didn't die. And um, yeah, just, just I remember feeling really heavy and getting into the ambulance and um, just being in this space where it's like when you're tired and you, you feel like you're, you're not gonna make you know, you're not gonna you're watching a show on TV and you're missing bits. And I just remember as I was driving to the hospital feeling really tired and I remember just praying and saying, God, if you're real, I don't wanna die, give me another chance. And if you if you do, I will I'll live for you and I'll steer young people away from darkness. And I always say this no word of a lie. I literally had like this rush of like a shock in my foot. And kind of like this adrenaline rush. And um, yeah man, I was saved. And right, so man.
1: That is mad. That's a mad story, man. And um, a couple things. So when you talk about when you got stabbed you say you didn't feel it. Right. Yeah. Imagine I've got a friend who got one of my good friends actually he got stabbed some like ten years just over ten years ago actually. I was at a party he was at a party actually. Mm-hmm. And they got into a fight with some other guys so he got stabbed. You say he didn't know as well. Um, he just found out afterwards because someone told him, "Like you're bleeding." She yeah. Like, oh snap! You looked down and you got stabbed. Didn't even know. Um, and it's only then that he st- like went into shock and the pain was mad yeah. and that kind of thing. It was.
0: It's um, the adrenaline. It's the, It's all of those things. Like it felt like getting punched. And don't get me wrong, I saw the knives. Like mm. the f- like the first time I saw the knife, I knew I'd been stabbed in my hand. But I didn't. When they said, "Oh, you're bleeding under here. Or you're bleeding here," I was like, "What?" Because mm. you're just fighting. You're not even yeah. caring about all of that. Yeah, and So. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like I, I, I can. Yeah, definitely. And it that. must have
1: been nuts. I've been in hospitals. I've been in hospitals a couple of times myself. Um, I had one near death experience, and I remember when that happened to me, I was scared. Like mm. I was by my, I was, well, by myself for a bit. Were, I was with one of my friends, and before my family come, which was time back, and I was scared, like mm. proper scared, because I didn't know if I was gonna die basically, yeah. and I was shook. And I remember going into um, what's that machine, the scan.
0: Yeah, man. the MRI scan. Yeah, I went yeah, into yeah, the
1: MRI yeah. thing. And I remember I started crying. Bro. Yeah, man. And it was like me and just the guy and I could tell that the guy was uncomfortable.
0: comfortable. Yeah. He
1: was like, oh, you'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even want to touch me, but was standing on the other side of the river. Like, it's oh, yeah, it's yeah. great to be able
0: to laugh at these yeah, things yeah, now Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. yeah trust me. It's good me. to be
1: able to look back. At the time, yeah, I remember I was Scared, Trust man. Me. I'm scared and cause I didn't know what was happening as well. I was just like, because it was a surprise for me. I was, like, I was just in shock. I didn't know what was up. Yeah. Um, and then for you, like you're covered in blood. Like yeah. you, you know what's up. It must have been like a mad, a scary time. Yeah. Man. Do you
0: know what? I, I feel like, it's weird. It's a good question because I, I, once I've, once I've been given that, that lease of life, that, that new, I was reborn essentially, right? I feel like, as much as I still didn't know what it was, I kind of wasn't scared. And that's not to say that in the moment, you're not still thinking, oh, what's happening or whatever, but I don't think there was an overwhelming sense of I'm not going to make it after I'd, because I knew I was tired in the ambulance. I knew I'd prayed. I knew that I'd been given this energy boost and I had remembered the whole journey from there to the hospital. And then when I did the MRI scan, again, you're kind of, you're there, you're, stitch, you're getting stitched up or whatever, they, they're putting you know, bandages on you. And and I think between, yeah, between that time and time I was in the room, I, I can't think, I don't remember being like super like, oh my gosh, am I gonna make it at all? And it's only when I got in the room, and I was around my family and stuff that I realised or that they, the doctor came in and was basically like, yeah, like everywhere you've been stabbed, Mr. Simpson, you should be dead or disabled, but they've missed everything by millimetres. Wow. Literally millimetres, and you can go home tomorrow if you want to. So it's all surface. And mm-hmm. that in itself um, always, yeah, just to me, it's, uh, yeah, I, I I know it's purpose. I know that I feel like, and not, I now I know, I feel like I, I got stabbed for a reason, to be, useful for this generation for them to see someone that's been through some of the stuff that they'll go through someone that's turned their life around someone that's living um a life of purpose and and trying to do something positive and having someone that I guess they can use as a as a as a role model even though you know who's perfect but just as an example for them so yeah I'm grateful that I have the story that I have and I definitely feel like yeah, my purpose is to spread it and to, it's not about me. I'm just a vessel for the overall message for a young person, which is, you know, you you, you matter. Your life is meaningful, basically.
1: And it's like, yeah, you come out of hospital and just kicked on. Like, you just
0: pick, <laughs> I, picked I, up I, and oh, pushed wish, it another level. Oh, I wish it was that simple. It's, <laughs> it's easy now when you look back and, you know, I'm I'm... I'm able to kind of say, yeah, you know, I suffered a little bit, and but the, every single day, like there's 24 hours in a day, there's X amount of minutes in a day, right? Mm. And each of those minutes is a struggle. It's 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 Not it's like mentally, you mean mentally, or? or like just just it's like people will celebrate those that they see winning medals at the Olympics, or people, you know, winning football games and being at the top of their games. Like you're amazing, you've done what, but no one knows the injuries, the the early mornings, all of the stuff that it takes you to be the person that they see you being and that they celebrate. Mm. And so I can look back and be like, yeah, yeah you know, and then gloss over it in a five minute conversation. Right. But those days were difficult and it took daily choices and, and consistency in order to be the person that I am today. So there was definitely times I I, I struggle. I'm very open about it, but I had PTSD I had anxiety. I had depression. I was lonely because I'd moved away from my house at that time, and I was uh, my girlfriend had gone to uni, and I wasn't really around some of my friends, even though they weren't on nothing. I just isolated myself, so it was a dark time. You know, you're you're trying to find yourself. You're trying to understand why you were saved. There's all of these things that are going on, and so I can look back now and say, yeah, I've got it all together, or at <clears throat> least what I think is together. But when I'm going through it. I don't know this. I don't know. I'm gonna be this person now. So yeah, I, I try not to to trivialize it and make it feel like it's yeah, like you know, oh yeah, man, you know, you just cracked on, I, which I know you. I know you're yeah. not doing, but it's 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 hard. And when I see people going through it, my message is always just one day at a time, one foot at a time. And before you know it, that crawl will come into will turn into a a, a, a walk, and then that walk will turn into a run, and then that run will turn into a fly. And I feel like I'm in that run potentially fly space at the moment, but I wouldn't have been there without the crawling.
1: Who or what helped you in that period of time?
0: Mm. Faith was very important for me at that time um, because I really unpicked what I believed. I unpicked it. I'd I grown up in church and that was default setting. Like, you know, just going church on Sunday. You know, you mm. do the, just the, the basic stuff that you do when you grown up in a Christian household or any religious household. But then I had to unpick why do I believe this thing? Why am I going to follow this particular belief system, this particular religion, whatever? Do I even like the concept of religion? Not really, I don't. So then it was about, okay, let me try and develop relationship. Let me try and understand and question things so that I can really stand on why I believe something. And so that was really important. Um, I'd also say that my girlfriend and her family were really important for me because they gave me a sense of stability. They gave me a love that, or they showed me love. You know, I remember when my girlfriend was at university, she went to uni, uni outside of London, and I'd go to her mum's house and like get my clothes washed or have dinner. And, you know, those things you can't take for granted. I'm, I'm her boyfriend, like, you know, that's that's not, I'm not her husband, I'm not, you know, her, her mum took me in and gave me love, right? And so, and this was at a time when me and my mum and my dad weren't really speaking. And also my sister, my little sister, was someone that kind of bridged that gap between me and my family. And so she chose to still love me. Not that my parents didn't love me, but she Mm. chose to actively come and see how I was doing. She chose not to listen to um, the, the, or or kind of see me for the mistakes that I'd made and the character that I'd been portraying for the years. And she chose to come and find me where I was. And we used to go cinema together. And then when I drop her home, she'd be like, oh yeah, mum and dad said hi. And I'm like, oh yeah, cool, and drive off or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then over a time, you know, you then get invited into the house, and so I'm very grateful that she was that 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 bridge for us as a family because now we have the relationship that we do as a whole family. So.
1: And yeah. how long of, how long was that period in time? Like, if you can, like, or is it something? Is it something you're still struggling with now, or you feel like? No, you've I
0: wouldn't. I wouldn't say I struggle with it now. Um, I'd say that. I'd say. Uh, I got stabbed July 2011, I'd say I got baptised in 2014, and so I'd say good four years or so of, like, really going through it in different ways, you know, I think it's, it's, it's when do you, I, I, I can't really think and say there was a moment where I was like, yeah, cool, I'm over it but it was just the choices that I made in that four year period that probably culminated with me getting baptised because anyone that knows anything about um, the Christian faith, getting baptised is almost like a, like a, a, a renewal, like a, like you, know, you go under the water, you kind of wash clean, you come out again. So I would say that it kind of culminated with me getting baptised. But prior to that, yeah, about, about four years. And, and within that, that's where I was doing the property and stuff like that. So there was lots of things that were happening in that four year period that meant that by the time I did get baptised, I was in a much better place overall, basically.
1: Mm. But I guess with these kind of things, it's probably, it's obviously not like a linear path where it's like, okay, from not twenty or 2011 up until 2014, you said, right, you got yeah. baptised? So from then 11 to 14, it's just like going like that straight up. It's like, uh, you're probably like up, down, back, uh, forward.
0: It's like just a big, over time, it's sort of trending 100%. upwards. I, but I, but do you know what? Saying that, I think... Being being fair to myself in the process, I would say if I had to look back and I looked back on a on a wider uh, from a wider lens, right, I, I'd say it was as you as you've kind of plotted it. It was straight up because even if there were little dips, it wasn't major dips. It wasn't. I mean, there are some people that you know when you go through something, you completely have months where you're just. But I think because I was because I had something to work towards I was never too far away from that goal I was never too far away from moving forward it gave me something to anchor onto so yeah I, I would say and also because it was tied to survival again survival mm. is a reoccurring word it was tied to me making money me paying my rent me having a particular lifestyle it, it forced me not to give up because suddenly if I don't want to make these phone calls today that means that and have the money to pay my rent. So I would say, overall, it was straight up. But of course, within that, there's going to be little blips, but not, nothing major. I can't think back to a time where it was a major you falling off. Oh, the other thing actually that came to mind is I, I did um, martial arts. I did Krav Maga oh, um, yeah. to, to, to rebuild my confidence after I got stabbed because, yeah, th- I would say all of that. I don't, I don't practice it anymore, but at the time, it gave me a sense of you can look after yourself whereas obviously getting rushed for many years and then getting stabbed, you kind of feel a little bit like, man, you can't defend yourself. Whereas doing Krav Maga for for a little while, you know, gave me a sense of, strength so yeah just to bring yeah. that in as well
1: now, of course it's interesting a few weeks ago me and my wife were watching krav maga videos on youtube actually. yeah man
0: a krav maga yeah. is not a joke. it
1: looks serious it's not look, a I know, i've done muay thai before mm-hmm. but this was when i was a teenager back in the day and i've i been wanting to get some kind of combat thing i'll telling that about it and i'm just watching some videos on it yeah now we can um, talk after i've got, I've got yeah. a good guy he, he's he's
0: he's yeah he's a madman but yeah, yeah he's uh he's good it's uh, it's a good it's a good discipline to be able to look after yourself sure. and your family
1: for sure And with the youth activism
0: work, when did that start? So that started about 2015. How did you get into that? I think prior to that, if I'm not mistaken, I was working with a friend of mine called Luke, who was doing like these personal development workshops in school. So I was starting to shadow him and being his assistant. And a lot of the frameworks that I use now in my talks, I, I guess I saw him use. And, and so that's where it started. I went and did like a series of six-week workshops or half-day workshops, et cetera. And yeah, it, it just gave me a sense of, yeah, okay, I like this thing. And then when I was in the property industry um, and I had my own shop at this time, I'd done really well building this business. I, um, there was a, a young person that used to walk past my shop. And one day I saw him and his head was down and I kind of said, to, jumped out and tried to encourage him. Turned out he'd been expelled from school. And so I then decided, you know, doing some work experience and that just seeing his journey over six months, again, just ticked that box for me. And then you suddenly realise that the property game and working for rich people is not fulfilling. You know, it's not, you're working for people that you are replaceable. Whereas when you're working Mm. for people that, that, for want of a better term, don't necessarily have better, don't have someone else necessarily believing in them. You are a valuable person and, to me it's not about the money it's about knowing in 10 years time that someone's going to come back and say because of you or because you said something to me in assembly or you gave me time on instagram or whatever that i didn't stop and so yeah started in 2015 started my youth organization called aviard um and yeah started doing events and then one thing led to another and started to do films and loads of cool things now so i spend my days now i do this full time and i love it man i love it
1: and with that boy you saw as well it's like it just takes one person to really believe in you sometimes
0: exactly with yourself
1: you had that one man i was like i don't care about your record in school whatever like exactly. you're here now
0: let's move forward and that's all i'm trying to be for one person is 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 that one person I, I go to events all the time and um i always i always ask god to use me i don't know why i'm in that room it's not just to get paid or to share my story or to be on a platform there might be someone that's going to ask me a question or see me and they need to, they, in that moment, I, I need to give them my best. Even even your small community halls. I did, in fact, tell like today I did a workshop and there was three people in the class and some people were like, that's a waste of time. Those three people get the best out of me because mm-hmm. in years to come, the quiet kid that didn't say anything will come back and say, I needed to hear that today. And that's it. If there's one person in the class, they get the best. If there's a hundred people, they get the best. You never know, so...
1: That's it, man. That's it. You know, I've just realized the time
0: here. Yeah. I don't even want to trivialize the rest of
1: your journey. Mm-hmm. If you look on your website and you want to. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. On the look, on, look on the website. <laughs> you've got this timeline. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff happening, man. A lot. Yeah. It's happened very recently. Like, you got the film, obviously, uh-huh. which was big. Yeah. Um, thank you. And it sounds like you got another one. Yeah, <laughs> on I do. Um,
0: so, my, my other film, Amani, my first film, which stars Javan Wade, which is one you were talking about before, mm-hmm. has been viewed now nearly 4 million times. and um, We're about 50K off million which is a blessing big big blessing and I've got another film coming out in the summer Um, and this film is is very meaningful for me it talks about grooming and exploitation and um, I think especially because I wrote and directed it as well um, it's starting my journey as being the person actually telling the story not just having my story told Um, so yeah really excited for that to come out in the summer and yeah doing lots of work around how we embed that into conversation, you know, and yeah, creating the right resources. I think with my film, it went viral and I was like, oh my gosh, I should probably start talking about it and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Whereas this film, I anticipate that it will have a really good response. So I'm being very strategic about how I release it. So you just learn and you move and learn and you move and learn and move. And so, excited, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, man, for sure. And I want to touch on one last bit. Mm -hmm. That's on the the most recent thing I saw on your timeline. I wrote it down. Um, when you were recently at Parliament discussing recommendations from the Commission on Young Lives report Mm -hmm. Um, was it February? Yeah Yeah. not too long ago February yeah Yeah. what's that report about and what were the recommendations
0: you're talking about? Yeah so the Commission on Young Lives report is a report that is um, it's been cultivated by the former Children's Commissioner for England and Longfield and and a series of experts which I'm I'm one of the, the expert panel and basically we looked at the conditions of young people in the uk and 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 basically how we can help this sometimes these kind of lost children essentially right and making certain recommendations especially now as we're starting to gear up towards a general election and you know starting to think about everyone getting on their campaign trail and oh we need to do this for society yeah cool what about Mm. young people Mm. and so um i'm new to the the political game but really understanding that if you want change to happen it's got to be at a policy level it's got to be at um, the manifesto level where you've got your prime minister and your minister's talking about these things. So we've made some recommendations, which is um, uh, having something which is called like a Sure Start. So there's a Sure Start program for for, for infants, for, for, for young people, but having one, uh, for children, sorry, but having one for teenagers, right? And also funding an army of youth workers with the proceeds of crime. So in the treasury, there's basically millions if not billions of pounds that is seized from criminal activity and it's just sitting there and a lot of that criminal activity would have used young people in a negative way but how can we tap into that money in order to use that to fund youth workers youth services have been decimated for the last decade and a bit right and they're probably never going to get the right resources from a government so let's use dormant assets in order to kind of make this offer for young people robust and that's i mean there's there's a whole list of things if you if people google commission on young lives website there's a whole list of different recommendations but those are just a couple
1: that's sick man that, that using the money for the young for young people just make so much sense
0: actually. it I didn't, does make sense right? I, didn't,
1: I didn't really think about i didn't think about where the money i just assumed that they just sort of absorb it and
0: then i don't know spend it on whatever it know. makes sense like mm-hmm. i don't know the ins and outs of of you know how it gets used, why it doesn't. I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm it's way above my pay grade. But what I do know is that as a campaigner, as someone that cares about the issue, and someone that is connected, it's about trying to have the conversation and trying to work out what can be used. And I know that they're starting to have consultations and they're starting to, I think they're talking about ways to to distribute that money. And it's just coming at a good time to make sure that these things are put in with right strategy. And, and sustainable really so yeah
1: and something that's important to note as well is that with the, the cuts in youth services so a lot of people tend to think that the youth clubs and that kind of thing is only for, for basically guys that are on the road and that's not necessarily the case I've got a neighbour mm. um, regular guy has got a regular 9 to 5 job and everything like that he's never necessarily been involved in the life of crime and I was talking to him recently and he was like when he grew up they used to go to the youth club. Yep. They used to. He uh, said that the youth leader there used to call him up on the weekend and 100%. be like, "Yo, have you done your homework?" Hundred nah. percent. Okay, I'm coming to your house. Let's go to the library. Do your 100%. homework. And a group of them. We'll take them all. There's yep. a group of them working, and they'll go over there and play games and stuff. Regular guy, but it's a community spot, you 100%. know, somewhere you can connect with people around you in your area with older people, role 100%. models. It's for all sorts. It's just for young people.
0: I mean, youth youth clubs are are not going to solve every problem, but they would definitely have an impact on lives of young people where. They can go and sometimes get free meals they can go there and as you said access role models and have structured program in the evening some people don't want to go home after school because the house is 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 in turmoil or whatever's going on and the youth club gives them extra few hours to do something positive to have aspirations and so yeah i'm an advocate I, i i do some work with some youth clubs and and yeah i i think youth workers should be paid more um i think that they should be embedded into society because yeah you know they do that bit between what the parents the teachers they, they fill in that gap mm. and so I think we should we should respect them and um, for sure yeah.
1: definitely for sick man like when I was growing up I went to there's a few clubs I used to go to actually play football mm-hmm. play table tennis whatever man exactly. yeah. sick man definitely man so yeah. that's all good and as we're preparing to wrap up yeah um, one final question for you what advice would you give to somebody who's trying to ch- drive change either in their own life or in their community
0: mm. listen I think listening is really important. Um, Sit down and talk to the people that you want to serve and and, and just get around them. A lot of people are like, I wanna do stuff with young people and they go on and create all of these different things and young people don't come to them or don't engage with them, right? Um, Go and jump on someone else's project, go and support people that are doing good work, already volunteer, offer your services, give mentoring time, open doors. And, And I think a lot of it is about that, what we say is like a wraparound approach for young people no point creating all of these siloed organizations that are doing the same thing but in just different ways. It's how can we we really enforce the ones and reinforce, sorry, the ones that are already in place and, and help them to be the best versions of what they're trying to do. And that's going to need manpower. A lot of it's going to be about volunteers. So yeah, it's definitely about getting tapped in, listening, um, being in the spaces with the young people and, and and also continuing to soar because we need role models and we need people to to tell their story from the top of their game and be present um and 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 not just get rich, move out to the country and be like, yeah, forget the end. You know, we need people to my saying is learn, earn, return. So we need that.
1: That's it, man. That's it. Thank you, man. No That's problem, that bro. man. Podcast wraps up. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having
0: me, man. That's and good it. luck with the with the thousand,
1: man. Oh, thank you, man. I yeah. appreciate you coming down as nah, well, man. You. What number am I? I don't know yet Alright cool I don't know. This is season 3 <laughs> Season yeah? 3 So it's going to be It depends what order I release it in It's mm-hmm. going to be 50 something I think 50 I something know.
0: Well I'm glad And I look forward to Seeing the, the hundreds And then and the, and the thousand When you hit that man and Thank you man Yeah man You're going to be a much um, That journey That You're going to be A much more I wanna, Yeah just, just you As a human being It can be even more refined By the, by the wealth of stories That you're going to hear and I just hope that it opens many, many doors for you and your career, for you and your family, my bro. Good oh, luck, man. I appreciate it, man. Thank you very no much. No problem, Kim.
1: Thank you. So, as we're wrapping up, uh, if people want to keep up to date with you, your work, upcoming film, all that kind of thing, yeah. how can they best do so? Uh,
0: so, Instagram, so Amani.Simpson, um, my website, AmaniSimpson.com. And yeah, you'll be, AmaniSimpson.com is the best way to get everything that I'm doing. But yeah, Instagram, I'm active on there as well.
1: Cool. And then, have you got any final words as well you want to share? or
0: no man God bless good luck and uh, this world is is mad so yeah if you're, if you're struggling um, ask for help um, I'm an advocate for therapy and I think that therapy is super important um, you know there's different types of therapy not just talking therapy but yeah ask for help don't suffer in silence because there's a lot of people in the world that would love to just sit down and reason with you even if it's not necessarily within your immediate circle so yeah just try and keep your head up try and keep going and I uh, oh, hope I've said something today to inspire you.
1: Cool. That's that, man. Once again, much appreciated. Thank you for coming you, down. Bro. Like I said, I don't want to trivialise your journey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you go onto on the website and have a look, man, there's a lot, a lot happening, Thank man. You, um you, And we only had time to touch on a bit. Like, we've gone quite a bit over the time. So even I yeah, apologise. Cool. I apologise for going over. Hopefully it was worth it, <laughs> 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 I looked at the clock I was like, oh yeah, my gosh, we, cool. we can't wrap it's up, you cool. know. It's so um, cool. But no, there's a lot, man. So definitely follow Armani, man. Support him in any way you can. Um, and yeah man just keep up to date with everything he's got coming up man I'm sure that I'm looking forward to that film as well when it comes out. yeah up.
0: man I'll show you a trailer when we're off air right. <laughs> in exclusive <laughs> yeah but, yeah I'll show you something uh, but that's yeah
1: but that's that for now man thank you for tuning in people Mm -hmm. if you haven't subscribed already please do subscribe yeah it really really helps us Mm -hmm. in trying to get these voices out as far and wide as possible yeah we've 1,000 voices the idea is just to get 1,000 positive stories out there amplify positive stories challenge negative stereotypes and to inspire some people along the way Mm -hmm. so any way you can support us does help subscribe like share tell your friends that you've shared it too so subscribe like share it as well and so forth let's get the ball rolling love that yeah but I start for now. Thank you for tuning in. This is 1000 Voices. We had Amani Simpson on the podcast. And for now, people, we're out. Cool. Thanks for
0: having me, bro.